Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 5 The Food of the Gods That night, again camped in the tenuous shelter of a break of young trees, Lara could not sleep. Through her mind flashed images, unworded thoughts, woken by their conversation of earlier. The smell of the book's pages, faintly dusty, mingling with the sunlight and dew. Jan's face peering over the wagon's edge, rising to the platform, eating with the new strange family, the bright flowers. From her heart. They grow from her heart. And, harsh as a rebuke, the memory of Jan's earnest vow to accompany her the warm, friendly pressure of her hands, and the latent sadness in the eyes of mother, father, and child. She wondered how, with these scenes so lately past, she could have embraced anger against these people and stung Jan with rudeness. She still could not make out why they all gave her confused, foggy answers, why no one could sit her down with a plain explanation, but alongside this, she felt an awareness of the gift she had been given, as well the unkindness with which she had received it. She shifted to her side with a thought of waking Jan and making some apology, but Beside her, Jan's blankets were empty. Their folds sank flat in the dim light. Lara sat up with alarm, scanning the copse, trying to pierce the shadows for some sign of her friend. The land seemed empty. She stood, shaking her blankets from her impatiently, and began to walk quickly beyond the trees. She strained her ears for a sound. Was that not an owl? Almost like a river, like the lap and murmur of water talking to itself at night. She thought she could make out words. The noise came from a hollow at the bottom of a slope of pale grasses. She stumbled down it, falling twice, and the second time scraping the skin from her right palm. It smarted in the cold air. Her shoulder throbbed. Jen, she called. The sound of the waters came more clearly to her. Soon she passed the first of many slender trees whose numbers formed a small wood, filling the hollow and mounting the northern side. 
She realized that the land did not rise much there, that the hollow was actually the lowest part of a long ravine. She could not make out its end. And then, from the trees, she heard what she could not mistake for river speech, Jan's voice, low, its tones disappearing into the wideness of the star-flung sky, like and so unlike what she had heard that night at the family's house in the city, for then a roof had cupped the sound and held it. Jen, she called again. Rustlings slightly to her left, and from the brush between the trees Jan came forward. She was not smiling, but Lara could have sworn she was. What is it? she asked Lara. You weren't there when I woke, Lara replied. I came to read in the water, Jan said, gesturing behind her to where the cool river sounds came. I was troubled about... When you said no one told you anything, I thought maybe... She trailed off. What do you mean, read in the water? Well, Jan shrugged helplessly. I'm used to Amos rose bushes, but the waters do quite as well. I wanted to see if I could find something to tell you about where we go and why. Lara could make nothing of this and filled in Jan's sentences with remembered hintings of the old peddler woman. Wouldn't know a lamia if it slit her own gullet and talked with the trees doing it. She was quiet for some moments, then shifted and said, Are you Alamia? Jan shook her head. I don't work any mastery over water or earth. I listen. The two are different. Lara stood silent again, musing. Then, did you find anything? Not beyond what I've already told you, that I will come with you. That it will be all right. And will it be all right between you and I? Lara asked impulsively. Jan's eyes rose to hers with a quick joy. What do you mean? Again the strange, tiny lurch. I took you from your family and... And Jan, I was angry with you, with them, for leaving me to guess what your words meant. I didn't think kindly of your presence with me, just of what you didn't say and what I couldn't know. I wanted to ask you to forgive me for it. Can you? Jan laughed, spun, flinging arms around Lara and shouting, Good light, Lara, forgive you! As though I didn't understand your anger at us and why. What an easy question. Here, love, and here, she kissed Lara on each cheek, double forgiveness for you, and may it hasten the day of your heart see death. Lara, dizzy, said, What is that? Jen threw herself, still laughing, to the rich loam of the earth beneath their feet, You'll meet it yourself, no better then than any of my words could tell you. And tonight proves that the outskirts of it must be close indeed. 
where before frustration would have writhed at such an answer, Lara found an unexpected patience in her as they climbed from the ravine to their blankets and sleep. You will meet it yourself, she repeated, satisfied at least for one night. Tomorrow they would take to the road again. As with most passions, like flint-kindled fire, the first energies of spark and flame spread, steady, and exchange excitement for endurance. Lara did not think much of practical concerns those first four or five days, still in the fever of unknowing and longing. The sixth day, she looked at the thick leather bag that held the food supplies Jan's father had packed for them, actually noticed it as she took it out, and felt the first stir of worry at its hollows. Cured meat strips, a cheese in a damp cloth, and two smaller pouches with dried fruits remained. Jan, she knew, carried sleeves of whey bread, and the last few nights she had foraged for greens successfully, but they had passed no habitation, no farmland thus far. How long would this food last them? She spoke of it to Jan when they rested mid-afternoon, who nodded. I thought as much myself, she said, tapping a handful of dried berries against her palm, head tilted. I've come this road with the wagon before. By the end of the third day, I reach a village whose candle-maker knows me. We give his wife bags of seed in exchange for wares and lodging for the night. They cobble the oxen in the yard. But I've never gone on foot, and it's a guess how many leagues we've made already. We've not been doing hard marching. Perhaps we do two or three in a day. Figure then twelve or fifteen leagues. She held a berry up to the light. With Pollock's and Major, I do ten or twelve leagues a day, which means we have... Fifteen, thirty leagues before the village, Lara said glumly. At least five days more. Probably a senite or denite, truly. We haven't enough food. Jan bent her head slightly, acknowledging the truth with thoughtfulness. And tomorrow is the god's gentle day. I cannot walk far on that day. What? The day of gentling. And on it... Let she who runs walk, let she who walks kneel, let she who kneels lay herself to the earth in surrender. For your beloved has found your bodies, beloved, and he sets this law on you for the rest of your flesh, that you might lie down in peace and rise in strength. You obey this God's laws, Lara said, surprised. Why? I thought he only concerned himself with with those people of his in the south. The marked ones, Jan said. When Lara looked at her in confusion, she said, Well, yes, but not in that way. I have taken their mark onto me. My family, too. But you are not... You aren't from the south. 
No, but the mark is not only given by birth or people, and you can't see it, she said, snorting at Lara's half-restrained peerings at bits of her visible anatomy. I took it to my heart's. Lara shuddered. The sentence struck her as a young, whippy branch might do. She imagined, somehow, that this meant pain. Well, it's not fair for you now, she said. To obey the god, I mean. We can't. We won't have enough food. Unless he wants us to die here. She looked at Jan with a challenge in her eyes. Jan gave her head a quick, negating shake to the right. The god's gentle day is for our good life. He made it for our strengthening, not our starvation. There must be a way, then. I will ask him. This talk frightened Lara. How? Is he near somehow? She did not like the idea. Could he hear her? See her? Tonight, when I talk with him. Lara felt within her the fear grasping at her. Jan's meaning aside, she knew a growing unease at this fashion of talking about the god, despite how little she knew of him. It was four parts confusion, two parts terror, and one overwhelmed part excitement. But not as a small child feels at the approach of a pleasure, rather the agitated tension of heavy air before a storm. The storm may mean no particular harm, yet it is the nature of storms to be harsh on the body. The god and storms, perhaps they were similar, made of unfriendly stuff. Seek shelter at the approach of either. Shield your weak, soft flesh with hiddenness and anonymity. Don't tell him about me, Lara said suddenly, speaking her thought aloud. Jan gave her a curious look. Why not? I don't want it. Lara pushed forward, not sure herself what made her shrink so terribly from the notice of this god. I don't want him looking at me. Lara, Jan said, he already knows of you. Did not need my telling him. He it was who gave me to you as companion for this journey. You are too late to hide from him now. The fear turned slightly, juddering to panic. Too late. Too late to hide. She was already known. They walked on without further speech, the light slanting, the airs cooling as they went. Lara looked round her at the trees. They had for some time now been walking through woodland thick with aspens, and remembered with their beauty the sensation she had had in her mother's garden of being on the outside of things. All that life. The colors, the rich scents the coming autumn would soak from summer's leaves. It was not kin to her. 
It ran with secret blood, and she had ash to offer. What commerce could there be between ash and blood? No, it would belong to the god before her. She of the dead hearts could not enter in. She did not understand herself to enter in. She feared and longed for it, it seemed, in equal measure. To find her hearts, to bring them into the summer and watch them come alive. Oh, the blessed. But if it meant somehow involving the god... Did she want living hearts at that cost, when simple talk of him moved her to horror? The peddler woman said perhaps he devoured hearts. Jan said she had taken his mark on her hearts. The marking and the devouring, were they the same? A voice, quiet, suggested that Jan did not look like one devoured. If only she could bring her hearts to the summer without going by the god's way. If only he would not notice her. If only he would let her alone. Her thoughts exhausted her, and she slept that night heavily, having forgotten Jan's resolution to talk to the god about the next day. When the morning broke, Jan roused her, laughing. Come eat, she crowed, too loudly, Lara winced. You see, he has made peace with his law and our bellies. Her hands gestured to the fire, cold last night and now palely burning, diluted in the light of day. And among the wood, Lara could see a rough bowl, stone, was it? and in it something rich, like creamed rubies. She stared. What was it? It needed no chewing. It coursed down the throat like thick chocolate and warmed her limbs. Again the longing and the fear clamored with each other, and she looked at Jan, who had kicked up her feet and was chortling to herself at the sky between her toes. The empty, odd stone tureen rose and fell on her stomach. Jan, Lara said, nervous, I don't... I don't understand this. Jan dropped her feet, with her knees still bent up. It's just like him, she said, still sounding as though she laughed. I told him of our worry for food, with his day of gentling in the next town too far. Confused, I said. What do we do? And here she did laugh. Lara, come see. She flipped over to her front and pushed herself upright. Lara followed her into the woods. Not three minutes' walk in among trees based wide enough that they could still glimpse the path, Jan halted by a sudden upthrust tumble of stone, like fingers pushing up from beneath the ground, the wall it formed, four or so uninterrupted feet of rock, 
sloped down behind in the grass of a gentle hill. To the left of a rock side, the great maple spread its roots. The russet leaves had early begun their falling, and lay like petals scattered in a small circumference here where little wind could reach. Near the base of the trunk, Lara could see a hole bored into the bark, obviously not any animal's work. "'That's where I collected our breakfast,' Jan said. "'He sent me three stones to do it, one to pierce, one to strike.' and the last to catch the flow. They broke off of this rock here. I knew maples could bleed a sweet sap. We've had some at home before, but I'd no idea how. And what he sent wasn't the same thing. I don't think it was sweet, was it? Lara could not now recall whether the stuff had tasted sweet or savoury. In fact, she could not recall nor describe its taste at all but she felt its effects in every nook of her warming, firming, opening. He said there would be more at noon, just before we sleep as well. He'll show me the maples. They're not easy to find. These woods don't have many. And so, you see, she spun and smiled triumphantly, we can take his gentle day after all, and no lack. It seems so. Lara said, struck silent. They walked a meandering pace all that day, halting often, Jan talking of the things that surrounded them, Lara mostly keeping her peace. Twice more Jan left the path to find the promised maples. Lara refused to go with her. Twice more they drank of the deep brew. It acted upon them like an outward presence, a state of mind not arising from within, but rather visiting, descending from without. The last time both girls felt strongly moved to weep, weeping of two different kinds. Jan, like one who weeps to join with a sorrowing friend. Lara, like an invalid, shedding tears of weakness and gratitude at the sight of a sharp sunrise through the sick-room window. They held hands in wonder as they sought sleep, not knowing how long it would last, wanting it to last. On the next day, they returned to a pace and provender more usual. Lara found she was glad, with a sad joy. She did not feel altogether easy eating the food of the gods. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month 
makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.